Welcome to the Legacy of John Williams podcast. I'm your host, Maurizio Caschetto, and this is a new installment of LA Studio Legends, a series of talks with legendary Los Angeles session musicians who performed on hundreds of film soundtracks, including many by John Williams. Today, my guest is talented cellist Cecilia Zan. Cecilia Zan is one of the most versatile, sensitive and unique cellists based in the United States. Born in Paris from Chinese parents, she started playing music since a very young age and developed a close friendship with future cello superstar Yo-Yo Ma. After playing in Europe for several years as a classical artist, Cecilia moved to Los Angeles to work as a freelance musician. She then started performing in film sessions for John Williams and has played in the cello section of every film score by the maestro recorded in LA ever since, including Memoirs of a Geisha, the BFG and the Star Wars sequel trilogy. She also performed in literally hundreds of film scores by many top Hollywood film composers like Alan Silvestri, James Horner and Hans Zimmer. She can be heard playing solo cello on the score After Earth by James Newton Howard. Cecilia Zan is also devoted to her love for classical music and frequently performs as a soloist in classical concerts and recitals, both on the Los Angeles scene and across the world. She developed a unique artistic relationship with Italian pianist and John Williams enthusiast Simone Pedroni, with whom she performed the Suite for Cello and Piano from Memoirs of a Geisha and the Elegy for Cello and Piano by John Williams.
In this conversation, Cecilia talks about her career, the incredible story of her family, her friendship with Yo-Yo Ma, and her many collaborations with John Williams over the years. Thank you for being here with me on the Legacy of John Williams podcast, Cecilia. Grazie, Maurizio. I'm very happy to, to be here. Thank you for having me. I was very eager to talk with you because you're certainly one of the people who work more closely with John in the last few years, playing in his own orchestra. And uh, I'm very, very eager to talk about your musicianship but also about your experiences, not just with John, but also as you as a musician, because LA has been in such a wonderful pool for musicianship in the last 70, 80 years, we can say. So to start, I'd like to ask you about your own musical background and education. So how and when did you start and when did you decide to study music and to become a professional musician? I started at a young age and actually my musical life started with my parents because they met at the Shanghai Conservatory in China and then uh, they fled as many other musicians in, in that era and they went to Roma at Academia Santa Cecilia and that's why I have this name and they even got married at the Vatican so it's a big deal. Roma is a, and Italy in general is very dear to my heart as you know. <laughs> and so they studied there. My dad was a violinist, composer, and studied also uh, orchestra direction with Franco Ferrara. And my mom was studying violin and composition too. And then when they finally graduated and were married, they moved to Paris. And then they went also to the Paris Conservatory uh, to do the same things. And uh, at that time, my dad was commissioned a big ballet by the Marquis de Cuevas, who was one of the top patrons of the art. And I was just born, but then the tragedy hit and uh, he was uh, assassinated for political reasons. So, so here we are, immigrants, my family, um, my mother is a young widow with two babies, but the music was always there. She was tour She had to stop touring as a violinist because yeah. she of us we were hidden in a convent well i'm writing all of that in a book right now but uh then the surroundings was a little uh, chinese diaspora community with artists and among them was yo-yo ma's family so that's how i was introduced not, not to music because i was already playing the piano and the violin but when i heard yo-yo i told my mom i have to play that instrument and so it was an incredible story because we were poor and didn't have the means to do anything. Uh, but uh, Yo-Yo's dad took me to his teacher, cello teacher, and she was super nice. And then the priest uh, who took care of my dad's funeral bought me my first cello. Really? So that, yeah, so wow. it's a very deep and uh, emotional story because... So many people were there when the tragedy was horrible. So that's how I began the cello. And uh, so I grew up listening to Yo-Yo and uh, he was and still is my inspiration, I have to say.
did you land in America actually so so when when was the the moment when you turned from Europe actually to to the United States that's more recent it's uh well 30 years ago <laughs> it's <laughs> in 91 uh, almost 30 years ago uh, it was a love story which since then ended but I followed somebody who was living here okay and uh, <laughs> but I already was doing a lot in France and and all of a sudden I had to give up everything but that's me <laughs> <laughs> when, when did you start to to actually get uh, involved in the music scene in in the united states so how were your first steps in in los angeles it, it was hard because uh you know there i have to say now i'm in but people are super protective and so there were some uh, barrage not only as a foreigner but as a woman, but you know, I took auditions and my first job here was to be principal cello of the Japan America Symphony. Yo-Yo uh, introduced me to the conductor and I played for him and he asked me to play first cello immediately for his orchestra. So that was a good thing. And after that, you know, I took various auditions and I became principal for several orchestras in town. And then finally, Yo-Yo was recording. I mean, I had done a few small sessions, but the big ones, it was literally f thanks to Yo-Yo because Yo-Yo spoke to um, Sandy the Crescent. Yeah. Who is a 
major contractor for John Williams, James Newton Howard, and James Horner, and all the great composers yeah. are with her. And uh, Yo-Yo insisted on having me at the, his recording of the Concerto and the Elegy by John Williams. And so I was there, and after that, you know, and I played a lot of chamber music with other fabulous musicians. And it, it's a word of mouth, like probably everywhere in the world. But it, it was challenging at first because, you you know, I didn't do that many sessions in Paris. I was more doing solos and chamber music, and, and I was principal cello of a chamber orchestra. But uh, uh, sessions, I didn't do much, except a few with uh, <laughs> Alexandre Desplat. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. One of the, my rare sessions in Paris were, was with uh, Alexandre, who at that time was not that fame as famous as he is now. But it was nice with his wife. Yeah, no, it, it was a quite a discovery. And another American composer, Mark Marder, who is from New York but lives in Paris. Mm -hmm. So, but I didn't have much experience, to be honest, in the film industry but i it, it was fabulous to discover that Actually, were the, your first experiences uh, as a, an LA session player, were they with John Williams actually, or you started playing the, with someone else? The big one was, uh, yes, with John Williams. The, before that, I had done some uh, uh, record dates uh, for albums in uh, some Hollywood studios. And do you remember what were your first impressions on, about John, both as a composer? And as a conductor, were you already aware of his music before meeting and playing with him? Yes, of course I was aware because he's so well respected and admired in Europe, as you know. But I've never, I never worked for him, and so, and his music is pretty challenging. Uh, compare, is sophisticated and deep and all of that. But I have to say, the level of sight reading in LA is just. Phenomenal, because at that time we didn't get the music ahead of time. So basically, 
you 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 arrive at work uh, like 15 minutes before the downbeat, and then you discover the music. And sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's quite uh, challenging. But I have to say, the the level of the musicians here is pretty amazing. Yeah. Do you see him evolving through the years? Uh, how you experienced his uh, musicianship, the John's musicianship? I'm stunned because uh, I feel like, you know, you would imagine that as you age, you don't hear as as well or you you have less energy, but it's the opposite. The, I mean, literally, he's on fire on the podium. Even if he's subdued, he you, the way he hears, oh, second trombone, I think here it should be an F sharp, not an F natural. And it's like, how did you hear that? And then the, the colors he asked for, and we do it again, and it's and always so incredibly respectful. One, two, three. I think that's enough to demonstrate. Is that gonna be more successful, Sean? I think in the end it will be. I, I do too, so let's make that change also. Do it again, people, once more at the beginning, please. Yeah. Try to be where we were, second beat of three. First bassoon up, very, very clear that time. Slur the first two notes. Yeah. So just read this little one, people, please. One, two, three. You know, I have uh, the fondest memory recently was when we recorded with Anne-Sophie Mutter. Oh my God. She's an extraordinary angel of the violin. And, and their interaction is so, I would say, tender. There is beautiful uh, mutual admiration and love. And you can hear it in the playing. And the way they talk to each other and then they get something just, I don't know if you heard that recording, it's just out of this world.
Yeah, I was actually very lucky to be at the Vienna concert they did oh. in January, last January. Yeah. In, uh, yeah. And that was amazing because you can see both of them so much enjoying uh, their musicianship and the fact they yeah. were really playing in the in the fullest sense of the term. Uh, I mean, playing like, you know, playing exactly. an instrument and then playing music, but also playing like having fun together. Yeah, in French, we have a word, ludique. It's like, yes, playing. Ludique is like, you play. It's like playing a game and being entertained by the other. And that's what there is. I think that you probably were the first one, one of the first after Yo-Yo to play uh, John Williams' music in concert, I mean, specifically the, the theme from Memoirs of a Geisha. Yeah, uh, that was so ecstatic to, to do that, yeah. So how that came about, I mean... Uh, it, it came from uh, an orchestra in L.A., the Golden State Pops Orchestra, who wanted me to, to play Memoirs of a Geisha. They knew I was there when Yo-Yo recorded it. Mm -hmm. uh, with him and it was such a, that alone is an incredible memory <laughs> but so I, I, of course i said yes and it, it and then i did it again with the long beach symphony and then uh we decided with simone to do the the yes, piano yes. and cello version which is gorgeous And do you have any specific memory about the uh, recording the actual score with Yo-Yo and Itzhak Perman as well uh, on, on on the stage? I mean that 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 is, I think, one of the I think one of the most underrated scores of John of the recent years because I mean it was nominated for an Academy Award. It was yeah. it's surely loved by by fans, but it's not as as well known as maybe other you know, works from him like Star Wars or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because it's not a series that is uh, popular. It doesn't belong to that type, but it, it's so poetic. And the the charisma of Yo-Yo and Perman on stage was, we were infused by the, the three of them working together. And, and it was, again, all the sessions with John Williams are so human. It's extremely, the, the level and the requirements are super high because it, he, it's, he's always uh, 
top quality in the in what he expects from us so we are all uh, giving 300 percent but you could sense the vibe and it was not in the regular studio it was at royce hall uh, which is a concert hall and beautiful acoustics so it was more like what we do in concert and everybody was geared that way you know giving the maximum in expression and the, and the music so gorgeous so i it really inspired me after that when i had to play the solo myself i, I had this one uh, that one in my ears and, and mind I'd like to, to touch upon a point with you because um, I recently talked with, with Glenn Dictoro, the violinist, uh, yeah. about, uh, you know, he had a very long history in playing in film sessions throughout the 70s and 80s in uh -huh. Los Angeles. And we talked about, uh, you know, how the immigrant musician from Europe between the two world wars in the 1930s and 40s uh, were absolutely crucial to to create the, what we perceived as the Hollywood sound in the LA orchestras performing film music, especially in the strings. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, as you may very well know, you know, a, a huge cellist like Piatigorsky was, oh, was yeah. resident in LA in, around yes. the, the same time and teached a lot of cello players who ended up playing in LA orchestras. So, uh, in your view, uh, how much that tradition is still alive today, especially in jazz music, and how the the way of working with the orchestra as well of John it can be related to to that tradition? It's it's a very good question because, to be honest, I'm I'm not sure uh, the tradition with John Williams it remained. But with other composers, I feel like it's little by little disappearing. Uh, the, more of them now are asking to play without vibrato, which is, uh, you know, and, and then you have John Williams, oh, please vibrate here. Or, you know, or uh, David Newman or Silvestri or Horner would ask vibrato uh, as opposed to others. No, 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 no. Too much vibrato. It's, uh, it's affecting the intonation. And, you know, I, I like to work with different uh, of them because it, it actually uh, question who you are as a musician and you, 
you learn how to play in different ways. But uh, I have to say, I'm very happy when we work with John Williams because he kept that tradition. You know, there's more expression. There is more of the heart. James Horner had that too. He, yeah. he made us plays, play with our heart rather than having a blank sound, you know, uh, that they can edit easily. You know, you see, you see what I mean? It's different. I, I mean, I'm the old school because my teacher at the, in Paris was old school, definitely. I think there is a story between uh, players in the orchestras of LA that sometimes, you know, you end up playing in film session and you, you open the score, you see a lot of uh, whole notes you know, on the yeah. score. So you say, okay, boring day. So I don't have to, to work too much. But actually when you work with someone like John Williams, Never and you like see that. the score is completely black. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now it's a, it's a ple such a pleasure because when you have a, two pages of whole notes, it's a bit depressing. I have to say, <laughs> I won't say any name, but, but, uh, and then you go, you you go home, and then you practice your chamber music concertos, and it, it you feel alive again. But playing whole notes all day is no fun. So I'm grateful for the big composer. You know who still writes like that, and I really love his music, um, John Powell. Oh yes, he's very good. Yes, he is fabulous, and he makes us. We can express ourselves without within limits of course but his music is gorgeous and 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 we still can play like the uh, old hollywood style <laughs> yeah he seems to to have uh, uh retained some of the stylings and the and the, the the methods of of older composers going back to to john's music um uh he has written a great amount of music for for solo cello who, mm -hmm both in films and in the concert hall. Yeah. Uh, and he also wrote a full-blown cello concerto. Yeah. So he, he seems very, very fond of the of the instruments. So how, how do you relate with John's music written for the solo cello? And and what are the main challenges you had to face when, when you had to perform his music for solo cello? You know, I, I haven't played his concerto, but... Um... I played his elegy and we're going to play it again. Uh, and that, to me, there is not a, no dichotomy in what we play for his uh, orchestra scores and what he writes for um, solo cello or solo and, and cello and piano. There's, uh, and in, in the memoirs of the geisha, one movement is solo cello, nothing else. And so that's, one piece I played for him last year, when, oh, two years ago, when we went with Simone Pedroni uh, to play for him. Uh, but there is, there is so much poetry. I think he understands the cello as if he was either an artist painting something or a poet. I mean, it's so, it resonates in a, almost, I would say, a philosophical way. There's so much depth. And I think the voice, the, the tessitura of the cello is perfect for his music. And Yo-Yo expresses that in such a, a fabulous way. There is a lot of depth and poetry. That's what I'm very sensitive to. Mm -hmm. so you can put a lot of your soul and heart into it. Absolutely, yes. And it seems that he always chooses cello when he has to... Uh, maybe in a movie when he has to depict or to to paint, uh, especially a, 
a character. You know, the cello usually, like in Memoirs of a Geisha, is associated with the main character. You know, the yeah. cello becomes the voice yes, of the character. Yes. And yeah. also, uh, the other movie where he wrote a big Angela's Ashes, he used it. Right, yeah. of course. And Seven Years in Tibet, also. Yeah, that is so gorgeous. <laughs> and a beautiful long line theme, you know, the cello yes. going up and down. And down, and super challenging line. Principal cellist of the uh, LA Philharmonic, Robert Demain, who played with uh, the, the cello concerto under Leonard Slotkin a few years ago. Oh, yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, was... with the Detroit Symphony when he was cellist oh. there. Oh, yeah. And when he spoke about playing the cello concerto, it was like being on the top of the skyscraper because he starts really high. And so yeah. the cellist has to look. <laughs> downwards i say oh don't my do, god <laughs> so the fact that he, he uses the full range of the cello maybe this is something that you can you know it is very to. challenging it's like havel for instance in the sonata for violin and cello we start up there it's same with the memoirs of the geisha and the sayuris team it it's like a violin tessitura <laughs> <laughs> and so it's challenging because it has to sound effortless and pure and then you have to give the character of the piece itself, not just the notes, and it has to be so pure. And so it's super challenging, but uh, you improve your playing when you play John Williams music. If you do it properly, <laughs> no, it, it's so worth a challenge. I don't like when I have challenges mm -hmm. and then the music is not worth it. You see what I mean? But yeah. with his, like, you get the most incredible reward when you can play the notes and it's, yeah. yeah and yeah. and it seems that this also relates a lot with the other almost every instrument you know talking with other musicians and say uh, all, almost all of them say oh he writes perfect music for the flute he writes perfect music for the violin he writes yes. perfect music for for the trumpet you know he seems to have this huge grasp that's uh, what geniuses are you know to have the sense of idiomatic music so it it doesn't sound if it's on the cello it sounds written for the cello not for the flute or or the clarinet or the violin it really is a cellistic 
And that approach is very rare. Usually a composer is good at writing for a specific instrument. It's very rare that he can write, he or she can write for old instrument and sound so idiomatic. like to to return to the story we were saying before about uh, playing with Simone Pedroni the Italian pianist because yeah. in 2018 you came to Italy to perform with him uh, yeah, in Alanya Alanya Music Festival yes and you yeah. performed the Fantastic. the suite for cello and piano uh, yeah. from Memoirs of Vacation the elegy as you were saying and to prepare for this concert you and Simone went to John Williams house to perform the pieces yeah. for him so can you tell me a little bit about that special experience well, that's uh that's one of my fondest memories ever in my musical life because uh, i remember uh after long sessions john williams said oh bye cecilia uh, please i heard that you you're gonna play memoirs of the geisha at some point i heard you played it with orchestra so next time you play it i would love to hear it i said oh really uh, <laughs> okay, but how do I contact you? He said, "Oh, I'm going to give you my number." So he took a post-it on the on the table and gave me his private phone number. And I mean, we had spent time with Yo-Yo and him after Memoirs of Geisha, especially. We went to a restaurant and all of that, so there was some closest closeness already. But for him to give me his personal number, I was thinking, "No, I'm not, never going to use it. I won't dare do it." <laughs> You know, doing that, it's too, uh, I mean, I didn't feel adequate to do that. But uh, so another time he said, so are you, when are you going to play? I said, well, I might call you then. And then uh, uh, at that time, Simone called me to play that recital with him and said, would you like to play Memoirs of the Geisha? And I thought, oh, maybe that's a time when uh, I should go. So I was brave enough to find her posted and call and he answered and he was so incredibly nice we chatted for 10 15 minutes about many other things and uh, finally we made an appointment and simone came from italy and we 
went there and it was incredible because we played and we stopped and he spoke and he was very moved at some point he said i'm so moved i can't even talk and so it was a very um, there was a lot of emotion and then he 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 didn't uh, he said i don't want you to change anything because that, that's uh, you bring something that i I, I I'm completely agree with, but yet we ask him to to uh, give us some uh, input. So he changed one note or dynamics, but not uh, nothing from the performance itself. So it it was the best two hours, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's incredible. It's, yeah. It was like a on, not an audition, but a, like a private concert for 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 the. It composer. was like, but it was a working session. It's it's it was not. It didn't feel like an audition because I didn't feel like he was about to judge us. He's such a good person. He's he doesn't infuse any uh, contempt or despise. He immediately welcomes you and make yourself at ease in his nice uh, living room i remember all the beautiful music wooden music stands he has a collection of beautiful music stands so it, it was a very inspiring place and and he his big smile and the way he listened uh, in a religious way was you wanted to give your best and simone and i get along really well musically uh and, and so it was like magic it seems like you and simone uh, found a very special understanding with each other yes. you know and what 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 is that makes you three in performing john williams music together with simone well it, you can tell uh, that simone knows his music so well he also conducted it and he's so completely infused with john's music so it's like he he carries me in the music it, it's like and we when when we have one of us has a a new intention even on stage he reacts like this we react to each other in a very quick way meaning that i think we are on the same wavelengths uh, and that is rare i mean you cannot create that it it is there or it's not and i feel with simone uh, or musical understanding is similar and so we don't have to talk that much mm-hmm. it's, it's what you feel yeah even ahead of time i th- i think he can predict what i'm going to do and and vice versa and that is super rare What is the main difference for you when you're playing uh, in the orchestra, in the cello section, and and when instead you're playing instead in a chamber setting, like a duo cello and piano, or maybe chamber music like string quartet or something like that? Yeah, it, 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 when you play in a large ensemble, you you think a lot of the blending, and you don't want your voice to stick out unless you're a principal cello and you have a solo. 
which is a different approach with the bow, the weight you give to the bow and the mental um, involvement. Not that you have more or less involved, but it, the, the type of involvement. You want to blend or you want to express something which needs to be powerful and isolated. Uh, so it, I love switching from being a, in a big ensemble, from leading a cello section or being in a trio or duo or solo. It's very good for the mind. And I think complete musicians should be able to do all of it. Um, and have the nerves to do it, <laughs> you know, because uh, it's also challenging to uh, mentally switch. Yes, uh, but yes. it's fun. I like uh, challenges. performing virtually almost every John Williams recording done in LA in the last few years. Mm -hmm. And among them, of course, recently there are the Star Wars, the last trilogy. And the last one especially looked like a very emotional experience for for John. We we were, most of us were in tears because we knew it was his last one. uh, and uh, and he was so incredibly kind and generous and thankful and you could see the love the, the in the room you could feel it it was so intense and then uh, and then uh, there was champagne and and uh, you know it was a celebration it was a bittersweet moment because we, we knew it was the last one but in the meantime there was a an incredible vibe and at, at some point I was talking to other people and he, he had he had two cups of champagne and he, he, he stopped me and he said, Cecilia, you need to have this one. I, I felt <laughs> like I was melting to get some champagne from John Williams. So there are photos of that. And, and to me, it's, uh, you know, it's the icing on the cake. 
Yeah, because I I saw uh, probably other uh, some post on the on Facebook or Instagram. I don't yeah. remember that, that he actually stopped the last day of the recording to speak with every almost to every section of the orchestra. Well, yeah, there were there was a line to talk to him, you know, and uh, <laughs> and he was so generous and gracious because you know it, he's not twenty. And, but he has the energy of a 20-year-old man, and he's so generous, yes, because not all the composers do that. They just uh, fly into the booth and <laughs> they don't want to talk. <laughs> but he, he was talking to each of the persons who wanted to, and that's very sweet, I have to say. of players in the orchestra that play for him today are actually quite young persons that grew up listening to his music when they were kids and probably his music inspired them to to become interested in music and to become yeah, an instrument sure. and started yeah. playing according to you what what will be john's legacy in the sense what what he's leaving to musicians f from all over the world and also for the Los Angeles music scene because he's such a big figure over yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, uh, his legacy is universal and that's so rare for a composer that age, you know, to, to reach to the young generation, as you said, uh, because uh, he made it accessible his music is so rich it's a genius music yet it is very accessible people can memorize the themes and and uh and he infused an enthusiasm uh that very few composers have done you know and so it's it's a gigantic legacy in that sense and not just in los angeles it's everywhere yeah, yeah absolutely when i speak to friends in france uh they they have the same admiration for it's as iconic there as it is here in los angeles and do you do you think he's also being able to elevate somehow the discipline of film music to something higher i mean seeing him performing at the musikverein in vienna last january was especially moving not just because of course the the, the love from the audience which was huge and probably nothing like it was ever done at the music variety at yes. least in the last few years but also for the fact that he's kind of the epitome of a certain you know musicianship that uh, so uh, how big it will be his his role in the future in music books <laughs> so to speak. i do believe he will be at eternal in that sense because it it's like in your morricone uh those two will last forever i mean it's no imp it's really impossible to forget 
what they brought to the film music and not just the film music or music in general. Because, yeah, as you said, to have his music played at the music behind uh, is, I mean, it's a tribute to who he is as a composer. And it's, yeah. no, it's beyond film. It's, it's just as a musician with a big M, capital M. And it defies time and location. That's why I'm saying those two, uh, Morricone and John Williams, they will be eternal. Uh, yes, and, and since we are speaking, you know, just a, a few days after, you know, the sad news of Ennio Morricone's passing. Yeah, I, mean, it was... uh, I know that you also played Morricone's music with Simone when yeah. you were in Alanya. So what, what are your recollection of and what are your, you know, your views about Morricone's music? Uh, it, it, it's so moving. Uh, I think Cinema Paradiso is probably one of maybe my favorite movie per se, but the music is so... I mean, it stays with you. And the other day when he, I heard about his passing, I listened to it all day and I was weeping. And it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, such a, it's such a big loss. But again, I think their music is eternal. And that's the beauty of it. Because it's, it's their soul that we keep. I do, and I do believe in life after death. So...
I was mm, thinking about Morricone because you were saying before uh, about John's music, the fact that the movies suddenly becomes less important. Of course, it's music written with a specific target. You know, it's it's born out of a necessity, which is the movie and accompaniment for a movie. But suddenly, when it's in the hand of these kind of artists, it becomes something else. You know, maybe the movie becomes less important. Uh, and maybe it's more about the, art, the music. Yeah, but that's a real artistry for those composers because you. I cannot say that really the, the film is less important, but because the way they respect it, they respect the images, and it never crushes the image, but it enhance it enhances it, and it it's a different motion. It goes from down to up as opposed to up to down uh, with some uh, uh, not so good composer the music sometimes is overwhelming or non-existent and it it can crush the image it said no too much it, yeah you are repeating what's already in the image you don't want the music to repeat what's in the image you want it to enhance and make it even more beautiful and that's the ultimate artistry in the uh, among those incredible composers like uh, john williams or Ennio morricone yeah, yeah. It seems that they also have a deep understanding of, of how the movie works, yes. how, what are the necessities of the drama. They are incredible dramatists, if you if you think about it, because I was uh, looking recently at a movie which is called The Accidental Tourist, music by John Williams. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, the way the music, you know, accompanies the drama, the way it evolves with the character, uh, the way he tells the story through the music, but without never going beyond, yeah, but always staying very carefully on the on the top of the drama. I haven't seen that movie, but I, I can I can imagine what you're talking about. It's a matter of respect and grace, and the way he acts with the movie director is the way he acts with the musicians. When he wants to get something, he's not pushing. He's uh, extracting the best of us and that's extraordinary that's an art I, there are very few who can do that you know to extract the best when people arrive with their background their everyday life and all of a sudden you have to focus on the music for a movie that you haven't seen but he has seen it and he knows what he wants to hear and he extracts it from you in a magical way and gentle way also it's never forceful and that to me, it's one of John's strengths, the way he extracts the best of the musicians without being an authoritarian ever. It makes me think about a thing that Yo-Yo Ma said once in an interview, speaking about John. He was very eloquent saying that John's always writes for the people. You know, it doesn't matter that it's film music or concert music or exactly. whatever. He has a person in mind. He writes for Steven Spielberg. He writes for Yo-Yo Ma. He writes for for uh, a specific player. He yes. writes, and yes. and that is very important because it makes his music very human in a sense. That I was about to use that word humanity. He's he's talking to your heart, and when you are in front of him, he's he's really trying to reach your heart.
music scene is virtually uh you know stopped you know non-existent yeah yeah but, but i you know i i still do things like you know i have a series at the mount wilson observatory and so the other day for the fourth of july i went to there to play some bach so you know there we need to carry some kind of message to the audience who is uh, longing and craving music you know so i will find ways to still share the music i'm thinking of various things we can do yeah yeah it's essential i think in this oh, yes. very moment to be you know to you know to keep playing to keep you know trying finding probably new ways yes of, of people getting... need it more than ever yeah Absolutely, the, uh, and, yes. it, and i realized i talked a lot to whether in europe or here in confinement i talked to a lot of artists because i i like to enrich my mind uh, and lots of people are becoming more creative they are finding to find new ways to make the art live no matter what even if we are in this country not considered as essential workers i do believe it's a big mistake if you think that way i think or the, if you don't save the arts and the culture you're gonna have a dead brains and and depressed people i think we have to save the arts Yeah, I think it's essential also for for, for for the restart. You know, when 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 all this ugly thing will be over, I think that we'll need art more than ever because people oh, yes. will crave for you know for for music, for for experience, for for getting together. Uh, the emotions, healthily. all yes. the emotion from art and the, the personal growth. I think when you are in contact with culture, whether it's visual arts or theater, music, you grow at any age. I feel I'm I'm growing all the time, and when I'm, that's why I, I love uh, interacting with other artists because you grow. It's it's fabulous.
To end our conversation, I'd like to ask you if you have any uh, story or maybe some special memory about playing with John uh, in all these years, because really you're one of the, the person that played with him for, for the longest time in the last few years. So uh, are there any recollections or during for, for, for some film sessions or, or experiences you had with him playing in concert also? that you want to, to share with uh, with our listeners? My main uh, uh, observation, it's not a specific memory, but it's a way, and I'm, I'm looking forward to reach his age, because he has this wisdom uh, and all his experience and knowledge, but still a young heart. And the balance, it's like a yin-yang thing. The balance between a young heart and all the knowledge and the generosity, it's the perfect combo for music. And every single session I've played with him, he's given that with the ultimate respect for the musicians. That's my main, I, I don't, I, I mean, of course there are anecdotes here and there, but what tr uh, perspire from my experience with him is that it's uh, a charismatic, generous human human being before being an artist. He's a human being of exception. Like Yo-Yo, and that's why I think they get along so well. Yo-Yo never showed any ego, and, and I don't see any ego in John Williams. You see, some people are very narcissistic when they have that type of talent, <laughs> uh, which is so rare. But with these people like Yo-Yo or Anne-Sophie or John Williams, the ego is not there. They, they just give you the beauty of music. And that's also, I think uh, about the fact that he's very into the, the business side of things, you know, because film music is about also, you know, relationship and taking mm -hmm. care of the, of the person who are around you and the director yeah. and the producers and the musicians and so on. But he seems that he has a very strong sense of what is essential for him yeah you know not to be lost in the process if you know yeah but I mean. you know i do believe and i know he, he's agent here in, in los angeles i think it's very much when you have a as great an agent he has they protect him from all the uh, tedious aspect of what a business could be he so he could be 300 percent into his art i i think he they he doesn't have to worry about uh, contingency <laughs> and, and you know because he has a fantastic human agent also you know it, it's a it's a combo and uh, and his soul is so up there that he won't uh, lower himself into trivial things you know i guess it's not easy nonetheless because i mean it's you know the movie business can be very hard for many people and ugly <laughs> it can be very ugly as we know lots of craziness around and you know being with, around with uh, egoistic people and <laughs> oh my god yes ambition and greed also of as course. but he's at the totally opposite side of the spectrum yeah because there's none of that thank god <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's a beautiful way how to realize about how he he still keeps going strong at almost 90 yeah. year old that the fact that he still wants to you know to explore new things so um, it's extraordinary i mean he's standing on the podium sometimes six hours a day 
At that age, we're sitting, he's standing and conducting us and giving his best to us. I mean, how extraordinary that is. We're lucky. Cecilia, I really want to thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Really, thank you for, for sharing with us your, your experiences and your memories and your views about uh, John's music, which is very dear to all of us. Oh, thank you, Maurizio. Grazie tanto. Thanks to Cecilia Zan for her time and generosity. Visit thelegacyofjohnwilliams.com for more articles, interviews, and podcast episodes with esteemed musicians. Thank you for listening until the next episode of The Legacy of John Williams Podcast. <laughs>